0: You're listening to Breathe Like a Badass, the podcast for ambitious but anxious women who want to cut through overwhelm, negative self-talk, constant comparison and fear so that they can get the inner calm, clarity and focus that they need to build happy, fulfilling, freedom-filled businesses and lives that truly light them up, which is what we all want, right? I'm Hannah, your host, and I am an e-slash INFP. Yes, I can be an extrovert and an introvert almost at the same time. And I live in Southwest London with my coffee, very plentiful supply of chocolate, and my partner, Ollie. And I use down-to-earth, science-based meditation techniques to support women like you in creating the successful, fulfilling, and incredible freedom-filled life and business that you deserve. Long story short, I help you to be and love exactly who you are so that you can go out and do the work that you truly love and that really lights you up in this podcast i interview some absolutely incredible guests on topics ranging from meditation mindfulness habits the power of routine how to be kind to yourself and just give yourself a damn break what it's like when you try things and fail what it's like when you try things and actually maybe succeed, and how to take all of that hard-won life experience to become more fulfilled women, business owners, partners, friends, parents, or whatever it is that is super important and central to making our lives more meaningful, powerful, and successful, whatever that means to us. So it's been a pretty damn difficult week. For anyone in the world, anyone who is not hiding under a rock. And this week and last week, really, there's only been one topic on the agenda. If you're someone who cares about social issues, if you're someone who cares about people, and that is really racism and how we, and when I say we, I mean me as a white person can use this as a really long overdue opportunity to shut up, basically, listen and learn and do better. Now, I realise that that's ironic coming from someone who is literally speaking into a microphone recording her own podcast, but I am going to address that later and I'm going to explain why I haven't actually chosen to completely Blackout my content over these past couple of days. But for anyone who has been living under a rock, since George Floyd, an unarmed black man, was murdered in the United States, racial tensions have rightly exploded and it actually does seem to have reached a tipping point, not only among the black community and people of colour who have been talking about these things and trying to get the white community to listen for years and years, But it seems to have reached a tipping point amongst the white community as well, especially people online who talk about compassion and talk about people and society and creating a better world. And it really does feel different out there right now. Finally, many white people and myself included are starting to understand and realise how central this issue is to everyone. And the Black Lives Matter movement has finally started to get the airtime that it deserves. And all of us understanding that Black Lives Matter does not mean that they matter more, but that historically Black lives have not mattered as much as specifically White lives. And so the amount of education and learning that I have been doing personally and that I have been seeing other people do recently has been, like I say, long overdue. But actually, I think really important and central. And once you see systemic racism and once you start to understand how it pervades all aspects of black people's lives, you can't unsee it. So I am wading into this topic today. I was going to call it a difficult topic, but honestly, I don't really think it is a difficult topic. I think it's common sense, quite frankly. It's the idea that all people deserve to be equal and that human rights is not up for debate. It is just a fact. All humans deserve basic human rights to be treated equally, especially for something as nonsensical as the colour of your skin being used as a weapon against you. Now I realise that I'm wading into this topic as a white person and in doing so, I will get things wrong. I will make it about me when I don't mean to. But I just want to say that this is not about me. My feelings do not matter. I'm not recording this podcast because I think that I have anything particular as a white person to add to the already incredible resources that black people and women of colour especially are putting out there right now. But I will say that the events of the past few weeks have meant that this is the first time that I have really felt compelled to really deeply consider how my own actions, publicly in my emails that I send out, in my Instagram posts, on my website, in the work that I do, in the way that I show up in the world on this podcast, actually contribute to that system of oppression. Because previously I'd read books and I'd watched incredible documentaries such as Ava DuVernay's 13th on on Netflix, which if you haven't watched, I highly recommend. Um, There's a whole host of resources flying around out there at the moment. You don't need me to tell you Although if you are interested, you can go on my Instagram, Breathe Like a Badass, or um, check out uh, the work of Layla F. Sard, Me and White Supremacy. Start there, that's a good one. Um, but it's crazy to me that I have never, until this week, really seriously considered if and how my work can really actually seek to champion voices from people of colour and do work to ensure that the work and voices of black women specifically are not hidden. I mean, I've had black women on this podcast before. I've had women of color on this podcast. I've worked with black people. I've worked with trans people in my one-to-one coaching. Like, this isn't me suddenly realizing, oh my God, there are other people out there apart from me. Like, it's not as clear cut as that. It's just that, I haven't personally before now really considered the diversity of the people that I have in my social circles, the people that I follow. I haven't thought to deliberately diversify my reading choices. And it's uncomfortable to admit that. It it feels completely wrong now from this side of the fence, now that my eyes have been opened for me. It feels wrong to admit that. And that's why really part of this podcast and part of why I have been speaking out recently is to say that changes from now on. It changes. I have seen that I have a responsibility as someone with a platform online. Yeah, okay, compared to so many people, it's an absolutely tiny platform, but it's not nothing. People listen to this podcast. I have people following me on social media. I feel like I have some kind of responsibility to say, actually, this stops now. I am contributing to systemic racism and I will learn and listen and do better and that's actually why I didn't take part in the hashtag blackout Tuesday that happened last week. I'm not sure if you guys would have seen although if you're on social media I'm sure you will have done that many white people I think some black people too but mainly white people were posting black squares on their social media and saying hashtag blackout Tuesday. Some people also muted themselves And they really did commit to staying offline for that week to really allow voices, or as another hashtag said, amplify melanated voices, so voices from black people and people of colour, to shine through instead. And honestly, I totally respect that, and I really understand that, and I also know that it is a movement that was started by two black women. So if that's the choice that you made, or if you had a lot of people on your feed that were making that choice to do that, to post that black square, then I totally respect that and I really understand that. But I chose not to do it because for me, I felt that muting my account actually wasn't the best way to spread awareness and help other people learn. And I do just want to add again, it's really difficult when I am the owner of this podcast, and I'm the one with the microphone, quite literally, I have the voice quite literally. It's difficult to, to explain just how much I'm not trying to say this because I think that I I matter. That I, I, I'm not trying to virtue signal myself. I have zero desire to make this about me. I'm not trying to say that I am even the best person to teach anyone about this. But honestly, what happened with me is that when I saw the black squares, when I logged onto my social media accounts and I saw the millions of black squares that were in the hashtag Black Lives Matter hashtag, that were in the Blackout Tuesday hashtag, I felt like they were actually really burying important content and resources and that also they were kind of giving people a bit of a way out people saying i don't know what to post about this or i don't know what to say about this or this topic makes me uncomfortable or i don't want to i don't want to talk about this or i don't know how to talk about this so i'm just going to post a black square and i know that not everyone did it in that in that way i know that not everyone did it in that um ethos in that spirit so i'm not trying to paint everyone with the same brush but i personally felt you know what is the point of me posting a black square it's not going to say anything it's not going to add anything And like I say, this isn't about me feeling like my voice is important, but I just felt like I have a platform, even if compared to some people, it's tiny. And I just thought, really, I actually saw a Desmond Tutu quote, which I actually posted later on my feed. And it was this idea that if you are neutral in situations of injustice, then you have chosen the side of the oppressor. And I felt like posting a black square when I'm normally vocal about social issues, I felt like just posting a black square would be a way of staying neutral or actually worse. It would actually help to silence the conversation and to stop dialogue. Now I know that this is not a popular topic of conversation. It's a bit of a U-turn. It's a bit of a U-turn not the right word, but it's a bit of a diversion, I guess, from the sorts of things that I normally post about you might think. I don't think it is, because I believe that people's identity is inherent in who they are, and that giving people the courage and the platform to stand up for who they are and what they believe in is entirely, entirely congruent to what I normally talk about. But I understand that on the surface, talking about racism and anti-racism and Black Lives Matter is not what I normally talk about. And one of the reasons that I know that is, because I sent out an email about this exact topic last week and it was one of the least opened emails (laughs) that I've sent out to my list in a long time. You know, I can see my statistics, I can see how many people are opening my emails based on the subject line and the subject line was anti-racism, meditation for anti-racism. So I can see that maybe that is not a topic that people are interested in. Or maybe you think that I'm completely out of line talking about this. And if you think that, especially if you're a black woman or you are a person of colour, a woman of colour, and you think that what I'm saying is wrong and you feel like I shouldn't be talking, then please, please let me know. Because something else that I've really been trying to do since all of this has really kicked off and become apparent, rightly, and in a really overdue way is to try to use the tools of meditation to actually listen and learn, and that was something that I posted, like I say, an IGTV video on my Instagram, which was called Anti-Racism Meditation for Listening and Learning. Like I say, this isn't about me trying to show how anti-racist I am, like that's performative and it's bullshit and it doesn't help, but I believe that meditation is a tool And that's why I teach it, because it's a tool, it's an extremely powerful tool that can help us to offer insight into our lives and our minds and give us the power that we need to stand up for what we think is right in our lives and in our businesses, even when it's really bloody difficult. And I truly believe that meditation has, in fact, because of that, a really serious role to play at at this moment in helping us all to get quiet and to get still to listen and to learn and crucially to sit with the discomfort that many white people do feel about this topic we feel defensive we feel like well what about this or it's not my fault or all of those things that come to mind when we start being confronted with the ways that our white skin really contributes to the systemic racism that we didn't create you know none of us were slave owners of course but that we have continued to benefit from and that's the key. We continue to benefit from it, even if we walk around feeling like we're good little liberal anti-racists, you know, we have to sit with that discomfort, because we do have complicity in a society that is still, and absolutely is, still inherently racist. And that's not easy. And that's a really crucial thing to understand about meditation, and that's one of the things that I do try to teach When I teach my one-to-one clients and later when I launch my membership later in the year, it's not just a calming technique. Meditation's not just a warm blanket that you can wrap around yourself to make yourself feel good about the world and not have to deal with life. It can be. It can be a really great calming and relaxation technique, but that's not its main purpose. Meditation is actually about learning to sit with the good and the bad of life, about awareness About opening your own eyes. I mean, the word Buddha actually means awakened one. It means to be awake. So, you know, people use the word woke to be aware of these social issues. Well, there's nothing more woke than learning how to use Buddhist derived meditation to wake yourself up and sit in the discomfort that these issues can provide. Not because we enjoy feeling uncomfortable, no, but because we can sit with the discomfort and then understand what to do next, which may very much be to sit down, to shut up, to listen and learn. I mean, meditation itself is not even a white thing. I mean, you will know that it is derived from largely non-white culture. The meditation that I teach, yes, has been developed by white people. So John Kabat-Zinn, for example, one of the pioneers of mindfulness in the West, but he brought over the skills of meditation from the East Like, I see myself as a facilitator for meditation. This isn't about me. Meditation is not about me. It's not about my skills. I have simply learned the skills that were passed down to me from cultures that are not even my own, that are non-white cultures. And that's why I think the meditation can actually step up at this moment to be a really powerful tool. And through the meditation that I posted on Instagram, but also through this podcast, I'm encouraging all white people to talk about these issues, to think about them, and to just sit with that discomfort and learn how to actually take a step back and examine the parts of ourselves that are ugly, that we're ashamed of, that we maybe haven't looked at in detail before, and also to open our minds to the huge amount of work that we still have to do in learning how white privilege helps us and in how systemic racism continues to disproportionately affect people of color because it absolutely does. Now, as I say, instead of posting a black square on my Instagram, I actually decided that I was gonna try and gather some good resources, useful information that I was finding, um, workshops that I was seeing that other people were putting on, Voices of colour, people of colour that I was following, that I was finding really useful. You know, these, these people of colour, these black women as well, doing the incredible emotional labour to try and help us understand where we're going wrong. I mean, thank God for them. Because they shouldn't have to do that, but they do. And so that's kind of what I was trying to do instead of going mute. I wanted to try and share resources so that we as white people, because let's be honest, most of my followers are white. Most of the people that I talk to are white. And that is not something that I have intentionally done and created. But unfortunately, I surely have uh, allowed that situation to happen kind of just by omission by not realising how much it is my responsibility to make my community an inclusive place for everyone, including black women and women of colour. But yeah, so that's something that I committed to, to amplifying other people's voices through the platform that I have and really using them as resources to allow us to listen and learn and be better. And if you listen to the end of this podcast, I will actually be posting um, some... More resources as well. I've already mentioned one of them, but I will be recommending some more resources as well that I recommend that you go and listen, read, work through, follow people on Instagram. Um, because I really do think that we have a responsibility to diversify the things that we surround ourselves with. So really, this is just about listening and learning and being better and the lessons like the rewiring of the brain, the acknowledgement of our own privilege and biases and changing our attitudes, you know, that is a constant lifelong commitment. Just like meditation, meditation is a lifelong practice because it is in itself a practice of rewiring the brain, acknowledging our own privileges, our own flaws, our own biases, and changing our attitude and changing our response to that privilege, to those patterns and biases. So, That is ultimately what I think meditation is and how I define it. So that's something that I've really been trying to talk about this week. And I know that I will get it wrong. And maybe some people think that me recording this podcast is getting it wrong. But like I say, this really isn't about me. It's about me sharing resources. It's about sharing the tools of meditation as a way of listening, learning, reframing our inherent prejudices and biases so that we can do better. Now, I'm not pretending that meditation is in any way like a magic pill for anything, especially not systemic racism, but I will suggest that it can be a tool for mental space and clarity and self-understanding And listening and learning. Like meditation is key in that sense. Like I I will say, you know, the meditation teacher, Sebane Selassie, she was on the 10% Happier podcast last week. And she said that we cannot meditate this away. Like we cannot think that meditation is just a tool for soothing ourselves. But she says we can have some measure of perspective and grounding and balance so that we can respond from a place of clarity and kindness and she says that in that sense our meditation practice is actually very important it's not just about looking inside of ourselves it's also about being willing to see what's in front of us but as I say meditation is but one tool the rest of the work reading engaging with resources starts now and I would love to know if anyone is listening and you have any recommendations for resources or any one on Instagram that you are following, that you love, that you think is doing incredible work, um, any, any books that you've read. I mean, I do have recommended, recommended sorry resources um, on my page as well. Um, but yeah, I'd love to know. And, and also, I also just want to take this opportunity as well to say to the black people in my community, And I know that there's not that many of you, and for that, I am sorry. But I do want to say, you know, I am sorry that I haven't done this until now. That has taken another murder of an unarmed black man for all of us to, like, wake the fuck up and realise how important this is. And I am sorry. It isn't important what I think, but I think it's just useful right now for me to say I'm sorry. And also, I would just want to say, how are you? How are you doing? How are you holding up? And also to say that this is my commitment to listening and learning and doing better. Because another quote that I saw this week that really resonated was this idea, in a racist society, it is not enough to be non-racist. We must be actively anti-racist. And that's a quote from Angela Davis. So that was something that I just really wanted to share. I also have set out some anti-racism values that I have posted on my website uh, that I think are important to share that I'll mention here as well. So the first one is continuing to do the work of listening to, reading, watching and learning from black people, people of colour, and doing my own research as well, not expecting them to do the research for me, you know, using Google, using the brain that I have in my head to do research the same as I would for anything else, to dismantle my white privilege, my supremacy, my racism and my white fragility. And if you don't know what white fragility is, look it up. There's a book by Robin D'Angelo that explains what white fragility is. And it's basically that feeling that many of us feel when we are told that we are racist just because we're white. And that can lead to defensiveness and discomfort and all sorts of things. I encourage you to go and look it up if you don't know what that means. I will also speak out unequivocally online and also in real life when I see or hear racist views. Even if it is uncomfortable or risky. And I'll also really seriously consider blocking or cutting ties with people who very obviously deliberately will not listen. Uh, I also really will look as well, and I've already actually started to do this, seek out and book consistently black women and women of colour as guests on this here podcast right now. So as you may know with this podcast, I do a mixture of solo episodes like this, and I've done more solo episodes recently. But also, I really love to feature interviewees, really fantastic women, some men, but mainly women, as interviewees, as guests on the podcast. So one of my commitments is going to be that I'm going to really seek out actively and consistently book black women to be guests on future episodes of the podcast. And not just to talk about race as well, I would like to add, because I feel like it's a lot to expect people to be, you know, it's it's not it's not fair to expect people to be uh, tokenized or to be seen as representatives of their whole race. Like any more than I don't speak for the whole race of white people, it's unfair to have someone of color on as a guest and ask them to talk about race, unless they want to, unless that's their specialty, which is fair enough. But yeah, not just to talk about race. I'm also going to ensure that in the Read Like a Badass book club, as well, uh, that black female writers and women writers of colour are included in the book choices. And again, similarly to the podcast, uh, not just on books about race. Yes, maybe we will choose in future months of the book club, uh, books about race, because I think it is important that we do start to do the work through the incredible books that are already out there, but not only about race, for the reasons that I mentioned before, I will also actively ask how many non-white people are already booked as speakers on panels or workshops before I accept to do them or before I pitch to them. I've spoken on panels and workshops before, especially, for example, the Mindful Living show in London. And you know what? When I pitched to be a speaker at that show and eventually was a speaker, it did not occur to me at the time to think, who else has been booked? What other races are there? Are there enough people of color? Are there enough black women on the on the list? Should I put my voice forward? And it's challenging as a solopreneur, as a startup business owner, to think like that because you kind of think, well, I'm just one person. I deserve to have a voice. I have things to say. I've got a business to run, you know, but. It's so important to realise that actually sometimes your voice is not the one that needs to be amplified and that's just so important to remember and I I try to remember that even as someone with privilege in other areas, you know, I've never known what it's like to be poor for example, I have incredible education, have a supportive, mainly, family so I have privilege in so many ways and this is another way that it falls on my shoulders rightly to be aware of that privilege. As I say also, working to be aware of my privilege and my own lived experiences and how it may differ and being sensitive to that when teaching meditation and doing the work to understand, honour and be sensitive to the roots of meditation, its ethics and its history. Like I was saying earlier, meditation is not a white tool. It's not a productivity hack or a calming technique. It is a body of ethics and lifestyle and has been developed over millennia in cultures that are not white and that are not western and it's really important to know that and remember that when you're teaching meditation even if you're not a buddhist like me i'm i i consider myself to basically agree with the buddhist principles but i'm not a buddhist i haven't taken any vows or anything like that And I don't expect the women that work with me to be Buddhists either. I have zero aspirations to take robes. I'm not, that's not the path that I'm on, but I have huge respect for the people that do. And I also work really damn hard and I'm always learning and always have more learning to do to try to understand the history of meditation so that it's not just culturally appropriating the tools of meditation to be more productive, for example. Because as much as we would like to think, oh, I'll just do a bit of a meditation in the morning and I'll blast through my to-do list and I'm away. As much as we use meditation like that in the West often to solely use it like that. And also as a meditation teacher, I have a responsibility to not only teach it like that and to actually recognize that it is part of an entire kind of sacred body of ethics And it's really important for me to just realize that and recognize that and continue to do the work in the way that I teach, but also in the way that I teach, understanding that different people come to meditation for different reasons with a different background and not just assuming that everyone that comes to work with me is the same as me or has the same experiences as me. And that's really important as well. I also really do commit, like I said earlier, to making my community a safe space for black people and people of colour to speak up in, to be heard in and to join. Now, for example, I don't have a Facebook group. Maybe I will in future. But if I do, I really would commit to ensuring that the voices of black people were not silenced, that people didn't kind of pile on if they disagreed with something. I would really work to ensure that any space that I held would be an inclusive and safe space for everyone, including black people. And that's a commitment that I'm going to make as well when I launch my Breathe Like a Badass community, uh, which is going to be called the Beyond Anxiety Badass Society. I don't know if I've ever said that publicly, actually. The Beyond Anxiety Badass Society membership community, which I'm going to be launching later in the year. I also commit to making sure that that community is a safe space for black people and people of colour to join if they so wish. And also, this again is really just summing up, I also commit to apologising publicly when I make a mistake around this. Because talking about it basically means, as a white person, that I'm going to fuck up about it. I'm going to say something wrong, I'm going to realise that I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to accidentally say something that centres myself. I'm gonna make it about me when I don't mean to. I'm gonna not realize that something else I'm saying is a product of my privilege. But I commit right now to acknowledging that, being open to that, and also being open to learning and doing better. So if I do get called out or if I do say something wrong, I commit to continuing to speak because, like I say, I don't think that silencing the conversation is useful for anyone but I will show up imperfectly. I will show up and do my best to share the important message and to to start important conversations with other white people about this, because it's not up to black people to kind of liberate us from our own racism, if that makes sense. It's up to us. We are technically in a position of power. We are the oppressor, and therefore, we are the ones that hold the key to unlock the prison door. We have to do it. We can't expect the people that are in a position of oppression to do it for us. So that's why I'm saying we need to have these conversations. That's why I didn't post a black square on my Instagram. That's why I have continued to show up all of this week to try to talk about and learn. And yes, also listen. Like I've been doing a huge amount of listening and you know, I don't deserve any congratulations for that. It's long bloody overdue. I should have been doing it already for years. But at least to say, you know, I'm showing up and I'm committing to this. So those are some of the values, the anti-racism values that I wanted to show up and talk about today. Um, As I said earlier, I actually am also going to share some resources that I really think you should start with or go and find if you haven't already. Um, the first book that I've been reading and working my way through to understand this is Me and White Supremacy by Leila F. Saad. Uh, it's a really essential reading, to be quite honest. It, in its own words, it says that it helps you unpack your relationship with white supremacy. And also, right from the very first lines, it acknowledges that even saying that might not feel comfortable. But that's basically the point. Like, it's not supposed to be comfortable. Um, Layla describes the book as part education, part activation. And I actually think that it sold out on Amazon. I think that it came out of stock on Amazon. Um, But you can download it on Kindle, of course. And I really recommend it. It's basically a workbook. So it's really active. It's not just a book that you're going to passively consume and kind of think, oh, great so what now? <laughs> it's actually a workbook that can help you really start to actually literally do the work to understand so that's why I recommend that one first. Also a book that many people will have read already perhaps but that I really recommend that you revisit is Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race by Rene Edo-Lodge. Another reason that I recommend that book specifically is because it's written by a British black woman obviously Rennie Edo-Lodge and I just think that that's really important if you are like me British or perhaps European and you want a slightly less American-centric view of racism and understanding like why it's still an issue on this side of the Atlantic as well as that side of the Atlantic I recommend that book as well. Uh, Mian I've said uh, Mian White Supremacy uh, the other one uh, White Fragility Robin DiAngelo some people think that Robin DiAngelo is problematic she herself is white But as I say, I think it's important for us as white people to have these conversations and to get involved. So I really recommend that book as well. There are so many more. Um, Another resource that really helped me to understand what my responsibility as a white person was in this debate was an IGTV video on Instagram by Ashita Moore. So she actually calls herself an everyday peacemaker, an anti-racism encourager and also an Anabaptist pastor. So it was just a really fantastic IGTV video where she basically gives people, specifically white people, a framework of how we can respond to the situation and avoid making it about us and do better. And in a comment underneath the video which I really thought really struck home, really hit home, was that she said I don't want your apology if it's not attached to action. That alone can be exhausting for black people to bear. But your apology plus your action builds trust because I know that you're willing to be uncomfortable and you're willing to be mobilised. And so as well as really setting out this three-step framework for how to do better, which is basically to say, I'm sorry, I'm listening and I'm learning. Those are the three steps. I really recommend that video because it is super, super powerful. I would also recommend a video on IGTV again by an account called Rach Rogers-esque, as in Esquire. So Rach Rogers with a D-R-O-D-G-E-R-S-E-S-Q, Esquire. That account is fantastic. Um, She posted an IGTV video uh, all about why... Marie Forleo, so women who are entrepreneurial will surely know who Marie Forleo is, about how Marie Forleo really did mishandle, uh, basically a racist situation in her private Facebook group. I'm not part of her Facebook group, I've never taken Marie folio 's courses, but I thought that this video by Rach Rogers Esquire really helped to, by using that example, explain how White people, specifically white liberal women, can kind of get our responses kind of so wrong to what's going on. So, I really recommend that as well. Another person that I recommend that you go uh, listen to is Light Watkins. So, Light literally as in the light in the sky. Uh, He's on Instagram. He posts really regular, fantastic videos about racism and how it is an issue and what we can all do and how we can listen and learn and do better. I also recommend the work of seban selassie i've also I've already quoted her in this podcast, but she is a really fantastic meditation teacher. Joe Anna Hardy as well is a really fantastic black female meditation teacher who is extremely wise uh, she talks about ethics a lot about the ethics and the lifestyle that goes with the meditation practice, which is something that I've also just talked about so highly recommend that you go and follow, listen, learn from her and yeah those are just literally some of the resources that I have found invaluable this week in understanding how I can use my voice to listen and learn and share resources so that we can all do better rather than just use my voice as another kind of bit of noise and centering myself in the conversation which frankly is at best helping no one, and at worst, actually worsening the cause and worsening the problem. So yeah, that's what I wanted to say this week. As I say, I know it's not really a comfortable topic, you're probably not going to be stopping listening to this podcast feeling all warm and cosy and comfortable inside, but I just, I really feel like it's a conversation that we as white people need to be having. And I think it is also really important to highlight how useful the tools of meditation can be in helping us to listen and learn and recognize how we have the power to observe our own biases and patterns and thoughts and programming, rightly or wrongly, whatever it may be, and stop it in its tracks. Like I always say, meditation is just an exercise in stopping automatic thoughts in their tracks and seeing them and thinking, huh, that's a weird thought. Why am I thinking that? That's bollocks. I don't agree with that. And then choosing another path like that for me is what meditation is. So whether the thought that you're observing is your negative inner critic telling you that you suck and that you can't do whatever it is you want. Or whether it's your automatic thoughts, your negative inner critic, whatever it may be, telling you, you know, that actually you're a bit scared of that black person over there. Or your inherent biases are basically meaning that you don't try to read more books by women of color. Or that when you're at an event, you don't notice that there's no black people sitting on the panel. Like, I went to an event in January this year. And I am ashamed to admit that it did not occur to me until very much later that there were no black people speaking at that event. There were women, there were gay people, there were queer people, there were larger people, there were men and women, like I say, gay people, but, but no black people. <laughs> and I just was like, how did that not occur to me? And so now I'm able to use the skills that I've learned in meditation to really recognize when that happens, when those thought patterns, when those biases, when those just inherent racist tendencies that we have as products of our society crop up, and we're able to look at them and say, "Where did that come from?" or, "Gosh, I didn't know that I thought that, or I didn't know that I." That was a thing that I would, I would not notice or would notice and just use the skills that we develop in meditation to sit with that discomfort and not to constantly feel like we have to bat it away or change course or deny or defend and literally just sit there and notice and be aware. And like I say, the word Buddha means awakened one. So to be woke, you know, and I I know that that word has been used in a negative way, like, oh, you're so woke, but just to wake up, like to wake up, because being aware is the first step, right? That's the first step. But now what we have to do, our responsibility as humans (laughs) is to be aware, but then also to do the work and make a change. Because like I always say with meditation, being aware and noticing our thoughts is the first step. The second step is not judging ourselves for it, not kind of hiding the thought under the rug or criticizing ourselves or feeling bad necessarily about what we think, especially in a meditation practice. Like I'm not saying that you shouldn't think that racism is bad because obviously it is, but if you notice a racist tendency within yourself when you meditate... This isn't an exercise in self-flagellation, it's just to notice it and then choose a better course of action. And maybe that course of action is to sit back, say nothing and listen to someone. Listen to a person of colour who's teaching you about why racism is so systemic Maybe that course of action is to post something on your feed that is going to amplify someone else's voice. Maybe that course of action is to understand how you play a role in systemic racism and speak up to your racist uncle next time you have a dinner party, whatever it may be. Like, this is not necessarily going to be a comfortable conversation. It's not going to be a comfortable path, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth taking that path and being good allies. Now, as I say, as someone who is trying my hardest to be a good ally, that's probably enough for me. Please, please, please do go and check out the resources that I have recommended. Check out my Instagram. Check out the Instagrams of many, many other black women. Uh, Check out um, their books, their videos, their accounts, workshops that they're putting on to explain how white women have a responsibility To do this work and not just say, oh, well, I talk about positivity or I'm a meditation coach that helps people with self worth, so I'm not going to get involved in these difficult discussions. It's not my job. As human people, and especially as white people that are part of the system, it absolutely is our job. That's it from me. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. As I say, please check out the resources. And also, if you have any comments on this, or if you are a woman of colour listening to this, and you have a comment, feedback, ways that I can improve, and you are willing to do that labour, I thank you for it. And I would be extremely, extremely happy to hear from you. Because like I say, one of my commitments is to continue listening and learning and doing the work. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you have reached the end, I am extremely grateful for you. I love every single one of you. And I will see you on the gram talking about how we can all be better allies. And I will also see you on the podcast next week. I've got some fantastic interviews coming up, not only with more wonderful uh, women of colour, but women black women, white women. I've got fantastic interviews coming over the next few weeks and I would love it if you hit subscribe so you do not miss out. In the meantime, I really do send you love and I will see you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, the best way to support it is to hit subscribe And leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen so that many other like-minded women just like you and me can discover it and share the word. I'd also absolutely love it if you could let me know what your favourite takeaway was from this week's episode. Come and tag me on Instagram at badass. You can take a screenshot of the podcast episode that you're listening to or just come and drop me a DM because let's be honest, I'm on Instagram pretty much every single day and I would absolutely love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. As I say, the best way that you could continue to support podcasts like this and incredible women in business, just like the ones that I interview on this show, is to hit subscribe, leave a review and share. In the meantime, thank you again and I cannot wait to see you back here for next week's episode. Just remember, breathe like the badass you are and you won't go far wrong.